33 days left. Seems like it's been a lifetime in the process, but we have 33 days left until the election. Are you having fun yet? Your host here, E. Vandervliet, for the PBL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor with his trusted canine, Woody, because Woody is back. Woody, how you doing? Woof. That's right. That's right. You all understand that woof. What are you saying? Check out our YouTube page, Politics and Brown Liquor, and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. All right. We have just a little bit over a month. It seems like a lifetime. I mean, it seems like we have been in election mode forever, and we are down to the wire. It is October now. Do Will we have an October surprise? What side will the October surprise come from? How many surprises are we going to have? How can we endure all of this? Well, we only got a month left, and then, well, then the counts happen. Then it's count, count, count. Who knows how many days after uh, November third it'll take to tally all the counts? I, I can't, I can't even make any predictions. I have no idea. I have no idea if we'll know the night of. I have no idea if we'll know the next day. I have no idea if we'll know a week after. Nobody does. This is one of the most bizarre elections I've ever seen. I mean that. Cluster Fun Park of a debate the other night. I mean, it, that is that that's the tone right there. We are in it thick. This is it. We basically got a month left to go. So I want to talk today about something that came up in the debate. And I want to put some pieces together because there was something that came out of it that sparked a lot of interest. So in this segment, we're going to get into uh, a topic of the debate. And in the next segment, uh, I want to... Um, go back to the story I introduced yesterday in the second half of the podcast with Hillary Clinton. So we'll get into that later. But first, let's talk about the debate a little more. I know, I know, I know there's a lot of fatigue going on, but listen, we got a month left to go. So let's bear with this. So I, I was not, um, uh, uh, I didn't think Trump did well at the debate. I didn't think uh, I, Chris Wallace did horrible. I thought Biden probably was the winner of the debate just through default because he didn't he didn't slip up he didn't slip into gibberish and without getting in too much into why i believe all this you know i think trump should have just let biden talk and he was slipped into gibberish and it'd be a whole different outcome but what uh was fascinating about the debate is some of the topics that came up that kind of slipped under the radar there was there was one pundit out there who opined that um or theorize that Trump was employing a strategy to rile up his base. Now, this was a person, and he said that, you know, that the theory is that this is a base election. And it is a base election. And what that means is there's only two sides. There, there's there's Biden's base. There's Trump's base. Now, Trump's base is excited. Trump's base is fired up. You see it in the flotillas. You see it in the parade. You see it in the rallies. And Biden's base, eh. They're not enthusiastic about this candidate at all. He's running as an anti-Trump candidate. He's not running from as Biden. He's running as anti-Trump. So the theory is that Trump did what he did at the debate <clears throat> to rile up his base, to get him out there. And Trump also got Biden to admit that he's not for the Green New Deal, even though it's on his website, that he is not part of the far left. Twice in a debate, uh, Trump said, you just lost the left. One time he said, you lost the left. The other time he says, you lost the radical left. Now, so it's it's got it's plausible theory, no doubt that Trump was trying to get Biden's base to be even more disenfranchised than they already are to prevent them from going to the polls or, you know, just, just, you know, they go, I don't know, I'm not going to go vote for this old man. He's not for the Green New Deal. He's not for my left wing policies that I believe in, you know, um, so I don't know. I don't know if I, I mean, there's some validity to the theory, 
But I don't know if that strategy worked because Trump was so bombastic that it could have an opposite effect. And those people in Biden's base are more fired up to get him out of office than to put Biden in office. And that's what Biden's been running on the whole time. So I don't know. It, you know, all theories are plausible at this point in time. We won't know until we start seeing some polling data come in. And I know a lot of people don't like polls. They don't believe in polls. But there are trends that you can absolutely spot and see. But <clears throat> let's get into this part of the debate, because this part of the debate. Eh, some have said that this is the part where Biden lost the election. So listen up. Tell you what, I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left because this is not a right There's wing a, problem. It's it's this is a left wing. This is a left wing. White supremacist. Antifa's an idea, not an organization. Oh, you got it. Not malicious. Yeah. That's what his tonight. FBI. His okay. FBI director Gentlemen, said. Well, then you know what? No, no, then we're done. We're done, sir. We're moving on to the next. I'll tell you what. So that that's a part that a lot of people are saying that. Joe Biden lost the election because he said Antifa is an, an idea. Now, he didn't say that. He said that uh, Director Ray, the FBI, said that. But either way, this is Biden um, minimizing Antifa and what Antifa has done in our country. Now, there's no doubt that Antifa is real. No, there's no doubt. So let's let's dig into antifa for a moment shall we and let's let's flesh this out of is antifa just an ideal is it um organized or is it not organized now let's talk about first of all that it's just an idea well this is what's going to hurt biden um america was just an idea when we were colonized by the British because if you if you know your history, you know that this country wasn't just colonized by one country. My, my ancestors came here in 1640. In 1640, the United States of America did not exist. They immigrated to what is known or was known as the New Netherland colony, which was New York, New Jersey area. The Netherlands controlled it. It was not controlled by the British. So the British came in <clears throat> probably around, I think it was around 16, 1650, 1660. I'm off on my dates a little bit. So you historians, please bear with me. The British came in and took control of the New Netherlands colony. They annexed it. They annexed it without any violence because the Nether New Netherlands colony did not have an army to back it. Even though my relative was a, uh, the my great, 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 how many great grandfathers you got to go back, was a soldier in the Netherlands army and came over here as a soldier. But when the British came in and took the Netherlands colony and annexed it, there was no bloodshed because they just didn't have an army big enough to fight the British. So that's what was happening is the British were starting to take over everything. And so now the idea of America was born. So to minimize it by saying it's just an idea, um, that, that's not, that really is not uh, comforting at all because ideas are born into uh, action. So you look at the Communist Party, that communism is an ideology, right? It's an economic system, it's an idea. Capitalism is an idea, it's an economic system. So all of these things are ideas, but let's push that aside. 
What Biden is trying to say by using the FBI director's words is that Antifa really is no big deal. That Antifa is not an organized entity. It's just an idea. Whereas Trump is saying, wait a minute, we got a problem in the United States with Antifa and this far left radical violence. So let's let's break it down. All right. First off, Antifa. What's the definition of Antifa? Now, I'm going to get this from the Merriam-Webster um, dictionary, merriam-webster.com. This is fascinating when I went to look this up. All right. Definition of Antifa. It gives two definitions. One, a person or group actively opposing fascism. All right. This is what Antifa says. Antifa says we're anti-fascist. Okay. You're anti-fascist. So Merriam-Webster dictionary describes or defines Antifa as a person or group actively opposing fascism. All right. Then it goes on. The groups predominantly prominently featured featured about 100 Christian ministers in clerical garb, angry Charlottesville residents, peace advocates, Black Lives Matters activists and self-styled anti-fascists who call themselves Antifa. This is from Peter Weber. That's a recent description because Charlottesville's recent it was 2017. So and Black Lives Matters is somewhat recent 2015, I believe. So it's interesting that the Merriam-Webster Dictionary put that in there. And then it goes on. The, uh, it says, in again, under definition number one of Antifa, where it says a person or group actively opposing fascism, it says, after the war, Antifa's varied in size and com compositions across the former right. This is World War II. Now dividing into four zones of occupation and developed in interaction with the local occupying power. All right, so now um, Merriam-Webster is getting into a little more historical of Antifa. Now, the definition of number two, it's the anti-fascist movement. Antifa is the backlash to the backlash, a defensive response to the growing presence of right-wing extremism. Okay, so Antifa, they're basically saying they're fighting against the right, right? They're saying that they are anti-fascist, but who are the fascists? Who did they define as the fascists? This is not coming from Merriam-Webster, by the way. This is my opinion. Who do they define as the fascists? They're defining, well, the right as fascism. But is the right fascist? Does that make any kind of sense? So uh, back to Merriam-Webster. Other words from Antifa. Antifa is an adjective. First known use of Antifa, 1946. And the meaning defined as, and it says since one. So here's where Antifa came from. Yeah, Antifa is an anti-fascist movement. And let me read this next part in Merriam-Webster before I go on. Borrowed from German Antifa, short for anti-fascist, uh, anti-fascist, in anti-fascist uh, action military front uh, initiated by the German Communist Party in 1932 to counter Nazism, multi-party front initiated by the German Communist Party in 1932 to counter Nazism and in other collections. So Antifa was born in the 30s to counter fascism by communists. Now, I've said this for a while, and I've had people basically tell me that that's not true. Antifa is a new movement. No, it's not. Antifa has been around for almost 100 years, and Antifa's origins came from the German Communist Party in order to counter Nazism because Nazism was fascism. Now, where did fascism come from? Fascism came out of um, Italy and Germany in the 30s. So let's go to Merriam-Webster's fascism. 
Okay. Definition of fascism. Often capitalize a political philosophy, movement, or regime such as that of the fascist fascist that exalts nations and often race above the individual and that stands for a centralized autocratic government headed by a dictatorial leader, severe economic and social regimentation, and forcible suppression of opposition. That's how Merriam-Webster defines fascism. Number two is a tendency toward or actual exercise of strong autocratic or dictatorial control. So so we got Antifa coming out of Germany, the, the communist German party. See, here's what it was, is the communists didn't like fasc the fascists, and the fascists don't like the communists. Because, you know, it could be said that the communists didn't like fascism because it's not all in. It doesn't control everything because communism is the, this, I, this utopian ideal that simply cannot work. It has never worked. It's, it's not, in the history of mankind, communism has failed. Very excited to tell you about a partnership I have with Hollywood casting director Kathy Rinking. Now, Kathy, who's been in the Hollywood business since 1994, casting for films and televisions, has put together a workshop where she takes her acting chops and teaches business professionals charisma coaching. Now, Kathy has been working with actors for years, teaching them how to be more charismatic on camera. So why is charisma coaching for you, if you are in business and you are in front of people or your staff, your team is in front of people, whether it be through networking, public speaking, or even dealing with the media on camera, charisma coaching will help you uncover your natural sexiness. Yes, I said sexiness. It'll help you create chemistry in the room by making about the other person. It'll show you how to express vulnerability and still show strength, as well as control the adrenaline rush when they're either with a crowd of people or, again, talking with the media in front of camera. So if you are in business and your team is out there interacting, or if you want to develop a skill set where you're comfortable in front of a crowd in a camera, then contact Kathy at youritfactor.net or reach out to her via phone at 720-985-8852. That is youritfactor.net. You're going to love this workshop. Communism, communism has never worked, ever. Now, you got socialism, you got communism. Socialism, as they say, is just communism light. It's basically everyone is taken care of, everyone contributes equally, and everyone gets taken care of equally. Well, it's like the book Animal Farm. All animals are equal, just some animals are more equal than others. I use that sentence a lot because that sentence right there is the definition or the defining sentence of why communism cannot work. It just can't work. Go to any communist country, look at its history, and let's, let's look at it this way. I once took a trip to uh, Bulgaria. Bulgaria used to be a communist nation. And I was there in um, uh, you know, late 2000s, I think. So not too long ago, maybe about 10, 12 years ago. A beautiful country, by the way. Oh my gosh, Bulgaria is absolutely amazing. It is a gem. If you ever wanted to go visit old world Europe, go to Bulgaria. I, went, I was at Plovdiv and uh, their main capital, and I'm drawing a blank at it right now. Uh, so anyway, I go to I'm in Bulgaria, <clears throat> and several of the buildings from uh, the communist era are still there. Uh, 
the the building meaning the buildings that people lived in right the apartment buildings so let's say we're in communist bulgaria everyone is equal everyone is assigned their work because that's what communism is right so you got this apartment tower let's call it a mid tower and there are four corners to this apartment tower and on each corner at the very top is an apartment on the corner well why can't i have that corner apartment well because because why you're going to the basement apartment well i don't want the basement apartment i want the corner apartment no that one is uh going to somebody else well who is that going to well that's going to this guy well why is it going to this guy i want that well you can't have that well why can't i have it because we're assigning this to that guy and you are assigned to the apartment in the basement but I don't want to be in the apartment in the basement. I want one. Well, I want to be on the corner on the top. So I have one of those views. It's very pretty out here. I want to see the landscape. No, you are going to have this apartment in the basement. This guy who works for the party is got the corner office. See, all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. So this is why communism cannot work is because I want the corner apartment. You want the corner apartment. Everybody wants the corner apartment. But everybody can't have the corner apartment. So communism fails. So the fascists, they hate the communists. Because the fascism, you know, it's communism light too. Because, you know, it's the government controls everything. But you can work and achieve more wealth and income. The, go the government will allow it. The government you know, you can go work in segments of the society that you want to work in. You can go get that corner apartment if you want to pay for it. That's kind of the main difference of fascism and communism. Fasc and I'm, I'm no, this is a very loose liberal um, explanation of it all. But fascism is the government is controlling everything. So let's dig into this. All right. So now the question is, who's funding Antifa? Because they tell us. It's not organized. It's not. It's a leaderless organization. I've had several of these leftists on TikTok that I battle with often tell me that Antifa does not have leadership, so therefore it is not an organization. Really? Are you sure about that? Okay, first off, go to your computer and type in Antifa.com. And you know what's going to come up? Come up is Joe Biden's website to uh, donate to Joe Biden. So whomever owns Antifa.com, and I've, I've brought this up uh, several months ago, uh, is directing that to Joe Biden's campaign uh, donation website. And there is a Joe Biden icon on there. So, does, But if you go to uh, who owns the website, it's anonymous. You can't see who owns the website. So could this be why Joe is kind of uh, warm to the Antifa and doesn't want to really say they're a terrorist organization because he's getting money from them? But if it's not a organized group with le with no leaders e how how can this be all right so now let's start digging a little deeper so project veritas so i talked about them yesterday they do some good work but they don't get a whole lot of traction um they did an uncover expose of uh antifa they went uncover in antifa and uh, spoke with some of the people that were organizing Antifa. Now, notice what I just said. Some of the people that were organizing Antifa. 
Now, one of those persons' name is Andy Z. Andy Z is a national organizer of refusefascism.org. So, and so the Project Veritas went in, they have a video where they're interviewing Andy Z, and he's talking about um, basically organizing these groups. Now, these Antifa kids that you see, all they are is useful idiots. But if you want to know where the money's coming from, because it is organized, but it's not organized via Antifa. It's organized via other entities. So George Soros and Tom Steyer were named as financial supporters of Refuse Fascism National Organizers. So RefuseFascism.org has ties to George Soros and Tom Steyer. If you don't know, remember who Tom Steyer is, he ran for president of the Democrat Party. Failed miserably. He's a billionaire. And he's the one who funded campaigns, uh, television ads to uh, impeach Donald Trump. So you've got Project Veritas going undercover and they're talking with Andy Z. And uh, they basically, he says, we did get a grant from Soros. We're trying to meet with Tom Steyer. Uh, we're trying to meet with at Tom Steyer has political ambitions uh, not want to be directly connected. So they were trying to meet with Tom Steyer's one of his campaign people. So you've got now, okay, so now push away Antifa as an organized effort. Because remember, as Biden said, it's an idea. So it's an idea, but it, it's got backing and it's got people who are pulling levers and you can tie it to refusefascism.org. They're the funding arm of this. They're the ones that are funding this. Now, who is reform? Refusefascism.org? Well, you can go on their website, refusefascism.org, and they've got an organ. They here's how they're organizing Antifa. They have their their page, their front page. It's times and places for October 3rd. And it's got a list of all these cities, let's say two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14, 15 cities where they've got protests organized for October 3rd. I live in and around the Atlanta area at 2.30 p.m. at King Center. They've got it set up as a Facebook event. They've got a sign-up link. And they've got all of these, these organized protests planned. This is a group called RefuseFascism.org. So, yeah, while Antifa may not have leaders per se under the Antifa banner or umbrella, there's money flowing in there somehow, some way. And yes, it does look like it's connected to Soros and Tom Steyer. And yes, it's absolutely connected to RefuseFascism.org. Dot org, which does have leaderships, which does have uh, an organization. So let's talk about <laughs> Refuse Fascism. Here you go. Here's the history of, you're going to love this, RefuseFascism.org. <clears throat> Refuse Fascism was founded immediately after the election of President Donald Trump on an emergency basis characterized by Trump Pence administration as a regime that is illegitimate because it is fascist. The group seeks not only to impeach and remove President Trump, but to remove all individuals associated with his election from public office. 
So refusefascism.org was created immediately after electing Trump to get Trump out of office. Here's the part. Here's the next part. That This is it. This is the one where you want to find out where it's coming from. Go back to where I was talking about Antifa, right? Antifa is an or, a, a movement born out of the 30s against fascism, which was Mussolini and Hitler by who? Remember who? The Communist Party. Here it is. Refuse fascism was created by members of the left-wing revolutionary Communist Party, the RCP. We go right back full circle. Antifa is a communist ideal. Antifa are communists. Antifa is funded by the Revolutionary Communist Party. The Revolutionary Communist Party has endorsed Joe Biden for president of the United States. Communists approved Biden for president by Robert Knight. So, you're starting to see these connections now. Antifa is more than just an idea. Antifa as an idea has been around for almost 100 years. Antifa as an idea is anti-fascist from the communists. The communists are the ones that are against the fascists. Now, capitalists, Americans, most Americans are against fascism as well. We are not a fascist country. We just simply are not. So think about this. What, what are the... What makes a fascist company? This is a group called Big Think. It's a, a think tank of all these people, way smarter than I am, from MIT graduates, business executives, et cetera, et cetera. And they put together the five qualities of fascism. And the question is, is the U.S. any way closer to this? So let's go through those real quick. Um, fascists originally hail from Italy, where Mussolini founded the National Fascist Party in 1919 to 1921 on the heels of World War I. In fact, the word fascism comes from fascisis or fascio literary, I'm saying that wrong, I don't have enough Italian in my blood to say it right, a bunch of rods tied around an axe, an ancient Roman symbol of the magistrate's authority, which could be used for corporal and capital punishment. That's fascism. So what needs to happen in a country for it to become fascist? Fascism thrives in a militaristic society. Do we have a militaristic society? They want you to think so with this defund the police stuff, right? Fascist number two. Uh, here, let me flesh out. Fascist thrives in militaristic societies. World War I caused a tremendous militarization of a number of countries. Nations like Italy and Germany saw the need to be able to quickly mobilize millions of people to fight wars and provide economic support. Uh, yeah, there are going to be some that are going to say we're a military, militaristic society. We're not. You don't see the National Guard run around telling you what to do, what time you need to go to bed. Number two, fascists reject liberal democracy. All right. Liberal democracy is exactly what we have in the United States, which is basically a representative kind of government where elections are free and competitive. Powers between different government branches are separated. Hey, separate branches of government. That's the United States of America. And people have been more or less equal rights. We have that freedoms and protections under the law. We have all of that. But Antifa, they try to tell you we don't but they, they're wrong. Number three, fascists, on the other hand, prefer totalitarian one-party rule. We just simply do not have that in the United States. Yeah, we want, you know, I would love for the GOP to hold both houses of Congress, the presidency and the Supreme Court. <clears throat> and if everything goes accordingly, we'll have that. But I, as I mentioned on yesterday's uh, podcast, 
that I want to balance power. Most Americans do. I would love it if one house would have one one party holds one house of Congress where the other holds the other, and that balances power. We have that balance of power in our country. It's based in our con it's written into our constitution. And in order to change that, you have to have a constitutional amendment. One man i.e. Donald J. Trump, can't come along and change it, nor can one man like a Barack Obama. Just can't do it. Number four, what is important to note is that many scholars do not regard fascism to be a solely right-wing or left-wing affliction. It may have elements of both sides of the spectrum. Mussolini himself described fascism as a movement that would strike against the backwardness of the right and the destructiveness of the left. All right, so... <clears throat> We just don't have it. Now, here's number five. According to, well, let me find it. Uh, okay, number five. The ultimate circumstance when people are willing to give up on their ideas is being in a state of great fear for their safety. Okay, are we a fascist nation? Is America fascist? Antifa seems to think so. But notice they go to these left-wing cities. They protest in left-wing cities, Seattle, Portland, New York, Chicago. I mean, New York and Chicago is more of a BLM protest. But they protest in all of these left-wing cities. We are not a fascist country. We just are not a fascist country. Antifa, these kids that are running Tifa, and by the way, the protest that they're, here's the protest that, again, refuse fascism.org. They're protesting in New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, Atlanta, Boston, Cleveland, Detroit, Honolulu, Houston, Kansas City, Missouri, Philadelphia, San Francisco, Seattle, St. Louis, Washington, D.C. Any of those right wing? I don't know. I mean, um, Kansas City? No, 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 no. I don't think so. Uh, Houston? Mm, uh, probably the closest on the list. Mm, Honolulu? No, 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 no. It's not right wing. No, no. Houston, by the way, is very Democrat. So uh, is that where the fascists are in the Democrat-run cities? Is that where the fascists are? All right, when I come back, I'm going to play some audio of uh, this guy that is the head of uh, RefuseFascism.org. He's the guy uh, I mentioned earlier, Andy Z. He's the national organizer of Refuse Fascism. And you're going to hear what his definition of all of this is. And it's going to be an eye-opener. 